Welcome to Talking Social Studies. You're listening to episode 31, Teaching the Holocaust, Inspiring the Classroom, for May 24th, 2019. I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Violiner. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Men will still say, this was a fighting This is the podcast where we talk about social studies and education today. Here you will find conversations about strategies, resources, ideas, and more, all designed to help today's social studies teachers. Hello, I'm Chris Hitchcock. I teach world history for a private online high school affiliated with Indiana University. You can find me on Twitter at chitch94. You can find our website by visiting bit.ly slash talking ss. Hi, everyone. I'm Amy Presley, and I'm a history teacher at Broken Arrow High School near Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can follow the Talking Social Studies podcast on Twitter at TalkinSS, and you can follow me at STLNOK. Today, we're really pleased to have Jen Goss um, on the podcast with us to give us more of an expert's view on teaching of the Holocaust. Jen, please tell us how you came to your experience in Holocaust education, and welcome. Hello, and thanks for having me. I've been a fan of the Talking Social Studies podcast, so it's really great to be part of today's program. As far as my background, I've been a classroom teacher for the past 17 years. After earning my bachelor's at Kutztown University, I went on to earn a master's in Holocaust and Genocide Studies from Westchester University outside of Philadelphia. During this time, I spent the first 10 years of my career teaching in Fleetwood, Pennsylvania, where I was fortunate to create and teach electives related to the Holocaust. The first, A History of the Holocaust, introduced students to the Holocaust in a quarter credit course in a largely chronological fashion, ending with some brief previews of other genocides that have occurred in the world. The second course, A History of the Holocaust through Film and Literature, was co-taught with my media colleague, Sean Gaston. Sean and I also partnered to create the student-made, Emmy-nominated documentary, Misha's Feud, about survivor Frank Grunwald. For the past seven years, I've been teaching in Stanton, Virginia, where I teach courses such as AP Government and Dual Enrollment U.S. History, along with a one-credit Holocaust and Genocide Studies elective. Along the way, I've also been privileged to take part in the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum's Teacher Fellowship Program and many other incredible opportunities, including working as a facilitator with Echoes and Reflections, whose materials and approaches I'm excited to share with you today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. It's uh, pretty clear why we asked you to join us today with all that amazing experience and training related to teaching the Holocaust. Um, So we introduced our last episode by talking about parts of a PBS Frontline article that kind of got our attention. Um, And um, the article is called uh, With Anti-Semitic Incidents in Schools on the Rise, Teachers Grapple with Holocaust Education. And there were parts of that article that surprised us. And so you can go back and listen to episode 30 if you haven't already heard that one um, to find out what those things were. Um, so what were your reactions to the previous episode and or the article or um, just kind of this topic in general? So it's definitely an issue that I think all of us as educators need to be concerned about whether or not we are actually actively teaching about the Holocaust ourselves or whether our particular subject responsibilities don't directly touch upon it. Because the report by the Anti-Defamation League, which is actually the parent organization of Echoes and Reflections, shows such a significant increase 
and anti-Semitic incidents, not only in our public schools, but in our universities and in our nation at large. It's been astounding uh, to read the statistics. But for me as well, it's also been very shocking and disturbing to read the personal stories of students who've been impacted by these incidents in our schools. Um, it's something that I think really has changed since I started teaching back in 2002. I can remember when I was initially teaching my Holocaust elective that I would really have to search for images of anti-Semitic incidents, swastikas painted on buildings or on signs when I was talking to my students about anti-Semitism today. And now, sadly, there is just so many examples on a week-to-week basis that it's really changed not only how I teach about anti-Semitism, but also how my students process it and understand it. Unfortunately, it's a word they're all too familiar with, which is something that I could not say the same 10 years ago. Right, and that gets to one of the important parts of the echoes and reflections or pedagogy underlying pedagogy and pedagogical principles of teaching the Holocaust is making sure that students have a good grounding in what anti-Semitism is. And so I know you're going to get into that later, but that's a really good point. I know that we had an incident um, in a a suburb of Indianapolis earlier this, um, I think it was last year, where um, a building near a synagogue was defaced. And that actually led to our governor saying we need um, to change our hate crimes bill um, in the state. And unfortunately, that wasn't successful in our most recent legislative session. But um, it is being brought up and discussed more, you know, even at at the policy level like that. Yeah, awareness of hate crimes, awareness of anti-Semitism is definitely something that our legislative bodies can certainly help us with. But as classroom teachers, I also think it's something that we can really have an impact on sharing with our students. And I know one of the things you discussed in the last podcast was the fact that some states are mandating Holocaust education. The mandate word has become a pretty big word in the Holocaust education community in the past few years. And I think certainly there is a need for all students to be exposed to the topic of the Holocaust. Um, I just caution when when people think about the concept of a mandate that, um, and here's my inner AP government teacher coming out, uh, that we want to examine whether or not these are going to be unfunded mandates, because if we have an unfunded mandate that's requiring teachers to teach about this topic without proper training or access to proper resources, it can result in some instances where I think, Chris, it was you last week that mentioned you have great intentions to teach about this topic, but if you don't have the background, it can result in some missteps uh, with students in your classroom. And so uh, we, as educators, often talk about mandates and so on and so forth and and what their value is. And uh, we do want to be very careful of that unfunded mandate concept. We also want to think about the fact that in some states, while they don't technically have a mandate, uh, Holocaust education is still required by their state standards. I know Virginia, for example, every student's required to take U.S. and Virginia history. We have end of course tests called the SOLs um, and the (laughs) that is what it stands for. Very good to clarify that. Uh, Students would tell you otherwise, but um, (laughs) and and they test they're, They're tested on their knowledge of the Holocaust the final solution. So we're not considered a mandate state here in Virginia, yet our students are required to learn about it. So for anybody listening to this podcast, I just caution not getting too wrapped up in that mandate concept and think about, is your state actually already 
asking educators to do this without a piece of legislation. And if you're working on passing a piece of legislation, really make sure that there's funding to back up quality teacher education to support classroom educators that are going to be carrying out this very important responsibility. So as um, as we dive into that, what when you look at at teaching the Holocaust, what are some kind of um, underlying principles to keep in mind? So Echoes and Reflections, uh, who I do a lot of facilitation work with throughout the United States, actually has a great set of pedagogical principles. And they're rather similar to the pedagogical principles of many other Holocaust-related organizations, such as the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Our particular list has nine, USHMM has 10, but the end goal of both is to really have teachers consider teaching about this topic in a responsible fashion with their students. And so one of the things that we recommend that teachers do is define terms. I think it was Scott last week that was talking about the importance of definitions. In the very first unit of Echoes and Reflections, we provide teachers with an activity that asks students to break down the definitions provided by three different well-known Holocaust organizations, the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, Yad Vashem, and the Imperial War Museum in London. Believe it or not, they actually have differences in how they define the word Holocaust. And so it's really valuable to have students get into the etymology of the word, have them breaking it down and discussing it. We also have a really expansive audio glossary, which not only allows teachers to figure out the definitions of some of the words of the concepts that they're teaching and also learn how to pronounce words such as Belgians. Um, but uh, it also uh, is great because it can be linked into a learning management system for students to have access to at all times. So is there perhaps doing reading at home, maybe a survivor narrative, they have access to this audio glossary. And so that really hones in on our first pedagogical principle, defining terms. That audio glossary, um, yeah, um, they can Yeah, I was scooping that. that out. That was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Very helpful. So what is, um, what would be like the second uh, pedagogical principle after making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page with the key terms? Um, so our second pedagogical principle you actually already alluded to, and that's providing students with background on the history of anti-Semitism. In Echoes and Reflections, we have an entire unit on anti-Semitism. But one of the great things about the Echoes and Reflections approach to teaching about the Holocaust is we offer educators an extensive amount of resources it can be adapted to be used in as short of a time period as five minutes to teach about anti-Semitism, 50 minutes, or multiple days. If a teacher had only five minutes, you got a great, very short two-paragraph definition of anti-Semitism in that lesson. Uh, we also have a map of pre-1933 Jewish population in Europe and North Africa, which students could even then connect the map and looking at the fact that you know, some of the countries that were impacted by the Holocaust, Germany, for example, had less than 1% of a Jewish population in 1933. And then connecting it to the definition, which talks about anti-Semitism being the hatred of Jews as a group or a concept. And so using some of those higher order thinking skills to link the definition to what students are visually seeing in the map. We also yeah. have a great... Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, too, like I one of the things because I've been to some of the Echoes and Reflections webinar and that map is you, I mean, the great thing about their webinars is that they kind of go through these steps with you as they're 
teaching the content in the webinar. And that map, I think, has been in almost every webinar I've been into, which is great because I think it, it, it forces you to grapple with the fact that, you know, as the Nazis put it, like the Jewish problem or this and that was really like in some countries, like you said, it was like such a, the Jewish population was such a small amount and to view them as, as such a big threat really makes no sense. And when you see the numbers and the percentages, it really, you know, and not to reduce anything to numbers, but just it's, it's really eye opening. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, conversely, you can see countries that have really big Jewish populations like Poland. And then again, if you have students that you're engaging in the upper levels and a different type of critical thinking, you can talk to them about, well, okay, when does the final solution actually come about? It's after the Operation Barbarossa or as Operation Barbarossa is occurring because Nazi Germany is now, quote, inheriting so many more Jews into their realm with this invasion and spread through Eastern Europe. And so I love the resource because it can be used from so many different angles. And as I said, in a short of amount of time is five minutes and as long as a class period or more. And then we have a great secondary source piece on anti-Semitism, which gives historical background, which is valuable both to the educator and the student. And then we have an expansion unit, our unit 11 on contemporary anti-Semitism, which takes students into the present day. Uh, unfortunately, anti-Semitism is still occurring, as we've already discussed, and so we have resources available there for educators that want to explore it and have support from an educational organization in making a very challenging topic a bit easier to teach about with solid materials. That's amazing because, you know, it's so hard to get kids to understand this isn't just a, a before thing. Oh, we're past that. No, no, we're not. That's the whole point. We're talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I understand uh, from my colleague at USHMM, Kim blevins Relava, that she's going to be with you guys in a future podcast. And so she's going to be exploring the topic of anti-Semitism and some of the reasons USHMM has uh, on that. So a uh, plug for that upcoming talk to the listeners because Kim's wonderful and at what, whatever she'll be talking about, you'll learn so much. Coming up later this summer. Yeah. Stay tuned. I'm really, ex- I mean, I, I'm looking forward to learning so much from her too. So, okay, so we've start with kind of the, the, the defining and then the history of it. So I feel like we've set the stage really well, but then where do we go? Well, I mean, we've already started doing this process and our next principle is contextualizing the history. And there's so many different ways that you can go about it. Echoes actually is structured in a way that a teacher can start at unit one and work their way all the way through to unit 11 on contemporary anti-Semitism and that provides context for students along the way. But if you're an educator, again, like so many of us that are teaching about the Holocaust in one or two days, you want to provide context, what do you do? Well, we actually just came out with a few months ago a new teaching about the Holocaust interactive timeline. For previous Echoes users, you might have been familiar with the very um, kind of static and singular timeline that we had on our website previously. Uh, it listed years and events, and, and it did provide great context, but we've gassed it up a bit. Uh, we've now taken those events, we've made them clickable and interactive, we've added a wealth of primary sources, documents, images, art, pictures of artifacts, visual history testimony that's not part of the regular body of Echoes and Reflections materials. 
And this allows a teacher to take students to a specific year and have them examine events or to perhaps give them a theme uh, to look at the impact perhaps of legislation throughout the Holocaust. And a student could go through the timeline in that fashion. Uh, it, it came out after I taught about the Holocaust this year, so it wasn't available for me to use, um, but I'm super excited to use it next year. And I would encourage all the listeners to check it out. Yeah, and you'll be able to find the links in the show notes or just by going to the Echoes and Reflections website, which is like we've alluded to already, and we're only through like three principles. And there's just <laughs> so much there. So. Yeah, for sure. And the timeline also ties into our fourth principle, which is teaching the human story. Uh, we are fortunate to have a partnership with both the USC Shoah Foundation and Yad Vashem for Echoes and Reflections. And the USC Shoah Foundation is a digital repository of over 50,000 testimonies of Holocaust survivors, liberators, and rescuers. And they also have a wealth of materials on other genocides that have occurred in the world. And so by incorporating these visual history testimonies in the interactive timeline and throughout the teaching resources that are offered in Echoes and Reflections 11 units, we really help students humanize those statistics that at first sounds so overwhelming. And we've showed them that these were people, they were individuals who had lives and hopes and dreams and families. And in some cases, you know, that those were taken away from them entirely because uh, they perished during the Holocaust or in the cases of the survivors that we utilize, their, their lives were irrevocably changed. And what I found really interesting and that I think would be really compelling to use with students is that um, some of the testimonies that I have seen are people who were school age when the Holocaust happened. So they're talking about their experience walking to school and seeing the anti-Semitic newspapers and propaganda posters on the walls and how that was so upsetting that when they got to school, they were really in no condition to learn anything um, or how playing on in sports clubs, like those opportunities were taken away from them just because of their religion um, and those and the, and the policies that were put in place. So I think that's something that students can really relate to. I mean, those are kind of timeless experiences that people that, like you said, I mean, it just it just humanizes the story. Yeah, it certainly does. And and actually, you picked up on something that Echoes intentionally did when they were preparing the teacher resource materials is to choose survivors who were close in age at the time of the Holocaust to the students in our classroom today. Most of the over six dozen testimonies that are used throughout Echoes and Reflections and the interactive timeline are people who were of our students' age so that it does increase that relatability and connection that students are able to make with the survivors. Well, and I love how you talk about how um, Echoes has that variety of, of resources. I mean, you've mentioned government documents and, and definitely a lot in the visual history testimonies, but there's other things there too, right? Yeah, we have, um, and that actually ties into our next principle of using primary source materials. Uh, we have a multitude of images we have poems that were written in the ghettos. We have government documents. We have art in some cases that was actually created during the Holocaust by people who were in hiding, like Felix Nussbaum. Uh, we have the visual history testimonies as well. And that's one of the really great things. Again, if, you have, if you're a veteran educator and you have already established Holocaust course, you feel like you're missing 
some pieces or want to change some things out, you can go into Echoes and like a salad bar approach and kind of pick and choose some of these resources to supplement your existing Holocaust curriculum. Or if you're a new educator and you've got the time to work your way all the way from unit one to unit 11, you can do that as well. And so it's just such a flexible resource for educators. And it's one of the reasons why I've consistently used it in my classrooms since 2006. It was interesting to me. Wow. Well, and with the emphasis on using primary source materials that many of us um, have in our educational systems, aside from the fact that it's just good practice, it's nice to have a curated smorgasbord, if you will, of those primary source resources that are geared towards students, especially and at varying like kind mm -hmm. of age levels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's material in there that is really strong for middle school age students. And then there is material in there that's better suited for high school age students. And it allows them to not only connect with the subject, and the topic, but it also allows them to develop skills that we need them to develop to be productive citizens in our society today. Um, I know last week you all talked about um, the reasons why we teach about the Holocaust, and most people think, you know, never again, so the past doesn't repeat itself. But one of my principal reasons for teaching about the Holocaust is so that students can become active and productive citizens in our democracy. And, you know, I certainly think that that is something that the resources and echoes and reflections allow them to do. And it also helps to make the Holocaust relevant. Uh, it allows them to build those 21st century skills, media literacy, critical thinking, source analysis. These are all of the different skills that are developed by echoes and reflections materials when they're used in the classroom. And, and that is our next principle is making the Holocaust relevant, not only as a topic, but also as a way to engage students in those important 21st century learning strategies. I often meet educators that say, I only have a day to teach about the Holocaust. I say, sadly, that, that can be very true in a lot of our classrooms. Uh, that's the case for me when I teach US and Virginia history. But you can teach about primary sources and use documents from the Holocaust. You can teach about propaganda and use propaganda from our unit two on anti-Semitism. So there are ways for educators who are interested in doing more with the topic to bring it into their classrooms. And what was to say we and we've talked about the relevance of just the continued examples of anti-Semitism today that we're seeing. Um, and so I'm not sadly, I guess that does make it probably easier to help students see the relevance of learning mm -hmm. about this, that it's not just something that happened, as Amy said, you know, before that, unfortunately, a lot of those ideas still remain. Well, and I really like how, you know, it's it's set up for, like you said, it, it can expand and collapse as needed for even, you know, I, I teach AP courses, but I also teach um, you know, some introductory type level courses. And it's nice that I can, you know, set up different things as needed like you know i can i can set up a, t a total kind of well i noticed you mentioned the word inquiry based for one group where i can just kind of give them a guide and say go find this but then i can also kind of really intentionally guide my other group 
and you know, at the skill level they need. And like you said, pull in those resources at the levels to help them stretch a little bit. Yeah. And within each unit, we have two to three lessons that provide a very specific framework for an educator who might need those specific questions to ask students um, if they're not able to turn the students just loose with the, the content in a way that works in their classroom. And so that's a, a really big strength of it. And, you know, as Chris mentioned, you know, unfortunately, the Holocaust has become too relevant just by virtue of what is happening. Um, a friend of mine said a few years back, you know, I really wish that my job didn't have a reason to exist anymore. Uh, and he worked for a Holocaust education institution. And he said, sadly, that is not the case. And so engaging students with the past, have them make connections, not comparisons, as you guys discussed last week, but to make connections to the present is, is very powerful. Well, certainly we want them, you know, uh, I know, noticed that you kind of, one of your approaches in here towards the end is that fostering of empathy. And I think that's whether people make mistakes or, you know, like you mentioned, good intentions. I, the goal is always, I think, that empathy. We, we want kids to look at this and we want to say, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. Not just look at this as, uh, for lack of a horrible word here, but entertainment factor. I mean, like that this is, needs to be seen as building of that empathy. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as you mentioned, the entertainment factor, you know, Hollywood and, and other, you know, film organizations have in recent years used the Holocaust as a source in some ways of, of entertainment. I think one of the more famous examples of that is Boy in the Striped Pajamas, which, you know, from a cinematic perspective, it's a, it's a well-constructed film, but from a historical perspective, it's a nightmare. And, uh, you know, I, in the realm of empathy, I've had students come in and talk about that film and I say, who do you really feel bad for though at the end? And, and they're sad really for Bruno and, and Bruno's family uh, and, and Schmuel, but they don't really think about all the other people that have gone into the gas chamber with the boys. And um, so we want to make sure absolutely that we're fostering empathy to get students really thinking about the fact of who were these people that were impacted. Research done by our partners at the USC Shoah Foundation shows a significant correlation between students who view visual history testimony from Holocaust survivors and growth in empathy. And um, by engaging students in visual history testimony throughout ECHOES, we're taking our students beyond the view of the survivors as victims and showing them as human beings, which is so critically important. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's one of the places in my online history course right now that I need to build that in, the, to get some voices of survivors in there um, more. Um, I mean, that's a world history survey. So like you said, just take a few like really powerful examples. Um, and have those in there for the students um, because it, that really does make such a difference. I mean, that's one of the big differences from teaching in the classroom where you have like that more like I am with you and kind of trying to guide you through this. And, you know, you can see my face as I'm watching this and, you know, in the online and self self paced environment that I'm in, ugh, you just don't have that. And so I think hearing those and seeing the faces from the visual um, testimonies, that's just so, it's so powerful. Yeah. And Echoes and Reflections actually offers a three-part online module for educators. And so if any educators that are listening to this want to see how to use visual history testimony in an online course in action, you can take the course yourself for PD credit. Uh, so you can learn more about it on the Echoes and Reflections website. 
writing that down, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also along those lines too, um, we had mentioned encouraging inquiry-based learning and critical thinking, and there are various activities through Echoes and Reflections that allow students to grow in this area. But our partners at USC Shoah Foundation have their phenomenal online platform, Eyewitness, uh, which you can find at um, eyewitness.edu. Blanking on that here at the moment. Um, it's, excuse me, eyewitness.usc.edu. And um, they have pre-built activities that guide students through inquiry, not only related to topics of the Holocaust, but they use survivor testimony to tackle issues like civil rights in America uh, through the voices of African-American liberators of the camps. Uh, and they also use voices of individuals that were victimized in other genocides around the world. And it's, they also have a phenomenal pre-curated section of testimonies called Watch, which are aligned to specific topics so you have an additional avenue through which to bring visual history testimony into your courses. That's amazing. It is. It's just such an incredible resource. And I know uh, Chris was talking last week about um, the Holocaust Museum in Chicago, where they have like the hologram mm -hmm. presenters of survivors. And I mean, that just, I can't even imagine what that must I be. Know. Yeah, it's amazing. I had the opportunity to see when I was out at USC Shoah a few months ago, and it was it was just absolutely incredible to see that technology. Yeah, and um, it'd be really cool if we could just have it right in our classrooms. Maybe that that will happen one day. I, I we bet all retire. that's not far. I bet that's not far. Our own yeah. holodeck. Um, it, and that's a. I haven't been to the uh, the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum for a few years now, but wasn't there something towards the end where you kind of exit where there was a video that you could ask questions of and it would kind of respond but it was like a a flat video or maybe i'm maybe no I'm they actually that. um for a period of time ushmm did have um one of the holograms on loan from the usc Shoah foundation and you, it was um, a gentleman by the name of Pincha Scooter. And so that was there for a short period of time. Oh, okay. um, a lot of these organizations, thankfully, we work very closely together and we're able to share resources. Um, a lot of the uh, work that we've been doing in recent years with ECHOES has centered around the issue of refugees during the Holocaust. And that really complements USHMM's newer exhibit, uh, temporary exhibition on Americans in the Holocaust. And so we're really lucky um, to have such great groups that we can have relationships with to really spread the educational value of teaching about this topic. That's great. That collaboration at multiple levels is, you know, benefits all of us as teachers so much uh, in the community as a whole. So I think that the last um, pedagogical principle here is perhaps the one that where many of us can get tripped up. Um, and that is uh, ensuring a supportive learning environment. So can you talk more about that? Sure. Um, it, it's definitely an area I think that can be kind of uncomfortable for educators in general um, because we've all had those lessons where we've gone in with the best of intentions and then after the fact on, oh, my gosh, why did I do that? And I, I know last week, um, Amy, it might have been you that referenced night and fog. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I've. I've made some mistakes along the way myself, and I've been really, really lucky to have uh, some great professional development experiences through the years that have 
shown me better practices uh, to teach about the Holocaust. And so we wanna make sure that we lead our students safely in and safely out of difficult topics such as the Holocaust. We never want to put them into a closet in our room or tape off a corner of our room and tell them that they're in a railway car um, and that they're they're experiencing what the Jews experienced on their way to camp Auschwitz because they might be experiencing some claustrophobia and some temporary discomfort. But as soon as that simulation's over, they're going to step out of that corner or out of that closet and they're going to go on about their lives. And it really does a disservice to the history, to the memory of the individuals and the experiences of the individuals who lived through the Holocaust by letting our students think that Holocaust can be simulated. And so- I'd say that goes to any any touchy subject. You hear, you know, then talk, you, you hear about the the slave ships and, and taping off the floor like that. Like, that's just a no, that you just yeah. don't go there. <laughs> yes, I agree a hundred percent. And again, a lot of educators that do it, they, they think they're doing it for the right reasons. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you've done something like that, it's okay. There's going to be another opportunity, another chance for you to do it better. And so I always encourage, you know, reflective thinking on, on anything that I do um, and how can I do it better in the future? And so when you're thinking about how to teach the Holocaust, think, what is my rationale? Why am I doing this at this time with these students, with these resources, with this approach? and really critically examine your practice and, and what you're doing. And, you know, I also heard last week mentioned about graphic imagery. Um, I don't know, Chris, if that was you that had mentioned the opportunity, you know, to, to learn about, you know, you can really convey the same depth of loss that you would convey showing a pile of bodies as you can with a pile of empty clothing. Mm-hmm. And the pile of empty clothing likely isn't going to give your students nightmares at night. And so also think about the fact that, you know, many of these images that were taken of people who were suffering during the Holocaust weren't taken with their permission. Um, and would you want someone seeing your grandmother or mother in, in that terrible shape in, in a photograph? Um, and so I just caution educators when they're choosing their resources to think about those things, to think about responsibly using films and fiction in your classroom. Um, You know, there are great pieces of historical fiction out there related to the Holocaust. There are some very well done films out there, but not all of those films are are good for students in middle school or even high school. And so you want to make sure, again, to lead them safely in, to prepare them for what they're going to learn, and then to lead them safely out to not just you know, as my teacher did to me in high school, run uh, a really horrific film. And then the bell rang, the lights came on and we walked out of the room with absolutely no processing. Um, and so, you know, that's what I would, would say to anyone listening um, is just really give it some thought. And it's, it's okay if you've made mistakes in the past, but you now have the opportunity to do even better with students in the future. Gosh, it's like my brain is just like processing all of this and I'm going to spend probably days digging through echoes and reflections, but there's just so much. And I love how, how everything is so connected with the Shoah Foundation and, and other groups there. I, I like that you can move and connect between because they all have so much to share. Um, gosh, 
like still processing, you know? <laughs> and I would say too, like if you, I'm trying to plan a Holocaust course, um, an elective social studies course um, at our school. And so I've been doing a lot of webinars and I have done several from Echoes and Reflection and I really can't recommend them highly enough. They're so informative and they're very well organized and they literally walk you through using their resources. And so you could to experience it in a way as a student and an educator. Um, and it's just, it's it's really helpful. So if you do have questions about different things, you know, get get on their website. And I think they have a list of upcoming webinars and things like that. And they're, they're free and yeah. you can do them when it's convenient for you. I mean, it's, I, it's wonderful. Yeah, free is every teacher's favorite four-letter word, okay. and uh, so it, maybe not at this time of year, but <laughs> but uh, anyway, free. Yeah, all of our resources are free. You can find them at echoesandreflections.org. And um, unlike years ago, when you used to have to go to a face-to-face -face training and get the binder, we now have open access to all of our materials. And so, if you haven't you know, encountered echoes uh, in the last few years, I strongly encourage you to go to the website. You'll see some things that you'll be familiar with and you'll see a lot of new additions as well. And um, Echoes and Reflections has programs throughout the nation and we have them listed on our website under our face-to-face -face trainings. We also, and again, they're free. Um, the webinars are free and so is the three-part online course. And all of that's listed on the prepare section of the Echoes and Reflections website. Another great resource I do want to plug before uh, we wrap up on the prepare section also goes along with that relevancy aspect. And that's uh, we have a great new teaching about genocide resource, which uh, goes into a conversation that you had last week about the 10 stages of genocide. What we've done is it's a more teacher centered resource. It's a, a base that teachers can use to build material and lessons from but we provide educators with an overview of the 10 stages of genocide. And then we also correlate testimonies from the Shoah Foundation's archive, not just Holocaust testimonies, but testimonies from the genocide against the Tutsi in Rwanda, from the Armenian genocide, from the Cambodian genocide. And we take and correlate those testimonies to the stages of genocide. And we also provide educators with a graphic organizer that they can use with their students to examine those stages. So be sure to check that out as well. I will be doing that <laughs> for sure. Yes, <laughs> definitely one click coming up here. Um, wow, this has been, as Amy said, mind very full right now, but we can't thank you enough for giving so generously of your time, especially here on your last day of school. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, thank you for that and congratulations <laughs> um, and just, for sharing so much with with us is is there a good place for you know our listeners to find you online if they have questions or want to follow up with you or you know to explore your work further yeah absolutely um so they can connect with uh, echoes and reflections on twitter at echoes reflect um, and they can find me as well on twitter at jgoss825 wonderful well, again, thank you so much for joining us um, and, and giving your time um, to those of you listening in. Uh, we mentioned we were going to do kind of multiple parts on this, but we are going to take a break in between and do something a little bit lighter um, before we bring in another guest speaker, and which we mentioned earlier. So we'll be paying attention. 
So our next, um, I think our next recording is going to be about kind of reflecting and recharging. I don't know about, well, Chris Hitchcock, I mean, you were talking about you're building this, um, this course yourself. And I know for me, um, College Board has just revamped a, a huge overhaul of AP World. And so I've spent the last week trying to wrap my brain around that and reflect and, and how am I going to change things for my AP course. Um, so yeah, I think our next topic is going to be about reflecting and then also not overdoing that too much and making sure you recharge. Yep. Over the summer. Right. I'll and need those too. <laughs> for Jen and for Amy and for me, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you again in two weeks. Thank you.